Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hey Watch This, the penultimate episode yeah. of uh, our podcast. Um, Are you going to say your name? I'm Paul Goble. I'm David Bax. <laughs> Jeez, they don't know by now. What's up? <laughs> yeah, it's too uh, late now. Everything's in flux. Uh, the show is uh, winding down. The house is all in disarray because we're moving. Yeah. Um, I'm super busy trying to do all the shit I want to do. Yesterday, I... Went to Long Beach Comic Con and did a show there, and then we had my roast later on that afternoon, which was a lot of fun. David attended. Yeah, it was a blast. And both David and Tyler showed up, but neither one of them wanted to get on stage and roast me. Yeah, but you as a comedian should, I feel like, appreciate the fact that Tyler and I both recognized we're not funny uh-huh. and didn't do some bullshit. Okay, well, well, and obviously that... That idea uh, in your head was compounded by the fact that not everybody was dynamite on the roast. But that's one of the great things about a roast or a <laughs> a comedy community that sometimes people aren't funny. When I go to the Liquid Zoo to do open mic and try out jokes and stuff, there's always people there who are no good. And they're trying. And sometimes I go, Jesus, get off the fucking stage. I right, say don't you breath. wish they had the self-awareness that I have? But then I find out, they go, oh, this is my first time doing comedy. Oh. And I go, oh, of course. Well, of course you suck. Or this is my second time. Or I'm not even a comedian, but I have really bad social anxiety. So I try to do this to get over it. So, which is great. That's what an open mic is for. But I'm saying, you guys already are okay speaking. That last thing is not what an open mic is for. I think it is, because it's an open I, mic. And, and, and That's interesting, but I actually don't think... Uh, I don't have, you know, like, diagnosed, like, chronic social anxiety. Uh-huh. I, uh, that's not true. I do have generalized anxiety disorder diagnosed by my uh, therapist. Okay. Um, but that's... Everyone has... That's the lowest level. <laughs> to one degree or another, yeah. Right. But what I'm saying is, I don't actually think that getting up on stage and talking to a group of people at once is a good way to overcome that. What really? Yeah, because I think okay. the anxiety comes more from. I, I find that I would much rather get up and read something or talk or address a whole crowd uh-huh. at once than mingle. Mingling is the worst. Thing. Oh, I see what you're like, saying. That so. is impossible for me. Like every every time, every like Christmas, uh, we have an office like midday potluck Christmas party, mm-hmm. and I every year I tell myself I'm going to have fun at this. And every year, I load up a plate of shit, and then I go back to my desk because I can't mingle. I well, that's what drugs and alcohol are for. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, like, that's not, why they not serve. In the middle of the workday. Uh, that's why they, there's always copious amounts of alcohol at business functions because people are so because it's it's almost impossible for some people to make that transition from business mm-hmm. David to good time hanging out David. And I've been with good time hanging out David, who uh-huh. was very very fun. I've never been with work, David. Even here, this is not work, David. No. I'm sure you're a fucking stiff at work 100% of the time. So, <laughs> that's so, true. So that's a little different. You, the, your kind of social anxiety is more being around people and talking. And we all have that to one extent or another. But Brooke, my wife, who is a project manager and leader, often gives uh, presentations and shit. And she always says to me, I'm so nervous about this presentation. And it's funny because... She says that to me, and I think, gosh, that's so easy. That's the easiest part of your job. Standing up and talking, that's the, that's the part that you can do in your sleep, <laughs> standing up and talking. And then, of course, when I say, oh, fuck, I'm so nervous. I got to write. 
I gotta you know do it, write down a pitch, and I gotta uh-huh. I gotta do all this research, and I really don't want to do it. She's like, "What? That's the easy part. <laughs> Just googling this and putting everything in a spreadsheet." She fucking. We're trying to figure out what our cable situation is going to be in Arizona because uh, we can't get UVerse there. Yeah. And she made a spreadsheet with all the options and what has what channels and how okay. we can get. And for your edification, she found we found out PlayStation View is one of the best ways to cut the cord okay. um, because it's affordable and it has almost every channel available. Okay. And like anything that it doesn't have, you can pay for CBS All Access or Hulu or whatever. Are you going to have to buy a PlayStation or do you have one? No, you don't need a PlayStation. We have Roku. You can watch it on your Roku. Oh, okay. So, yeah, as long as you have Roku, uh, PlayStation View is right on there. We've got a couple of them. Um, Of course, it doesn't offer internet like most cable things do, you know. Okay. But then we have to pay for internet separately. But that's just a tip for you kids who want to cut the cord. Look into PlayStation View. You don't need a PlayStation for it. Um, But I think our listeners would agree with me if... Uh, if I were to say that you and Tyler could come up with just some quips and funny jokes about movies that are out or actors or opinions that you have and then jokes that you do every time like fuck you Michael Gambon or whatever that gag is you guys do. It's Tyler's thing. Uh, you'll get yours Gambon. <laughs> there you go. And it, would be, it could become a thing just in the same way that Jesse and uh, Jordan do. Those guys, I, I, I mean... Yeah, but one of them is funny. Yes, that's the thing. I will say, Jordan is a comedian. He's not yeah. the greatest comedian ever, <laughs> but he is a funny guy and a funny comedian. And Jesse is not. He's pretty much the straight man. But that would be your hook. You're both the straight man, and that would make it funny. I'm telling you. I'm t- I, David refuses to do this, but folks who listen to Battleship Pretension... Uh, harass them both so they'll do it. Because even yesterday, I do said... Now, now the roast is over. You're saying just like put just together in general. An yeah. <laughs> so, then, so then you guys can host Battleship Pretension Con just like those guys do. I mean, honestly, if... If you had, if you were friends with those guys back in the day and they said, oh, well, we're going to start doing live shows, you would have went, What? Don't do that. What's wrong with you? Stick with podcasting. Nobody wants to come see you guys do live shows. And yet now they have conventions. Yeah. So, I mean, and and case in point, yesterday, after the roast, we're all hanging out. And my old friend from college, Dave uh, Dickerson, comes up and he's like, who are you guys? He says to David and Tyler, and they introduce themselves. He's like, oh, yeah, the Battleship Pretension guys. I listen to you all the time. Yeah, that was very touching. See, he didn't listen to you because we're friends or he knew I knew you. or And he doesn't listen to this podcast, obviously. <laughs> but you guys have a, a rabid and large fan base, and they would love to see you perform. And you could do special, like go to, you know, go to... Uh, like, just yesterday when I was at Long Beach Comic Con, I was doing this cosplay comedy show. Okay. And it was all, you know, it was me, Barbara Gray, uh, Jeff May, all these people, comedians, but performing as different people. I was Moss from the IT crowd. Barbara was Deanna Troy. Okay. Kyle, uh, the host of it, was Spider-Man. Everybody, you know, Lex Luthor. And he does this all the time. And and it was a, it was a little crowd in one of the little rooms there. But, you know, everybody loved it. You guys... Go to any convention or any uh, film festival and just do a little thing where you tell jokes and talk about movies. People would fucking eat it up. And they're always looking for shit for people to do in the smaller rooms at those places. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll tell you, the, room, the thing that was in the, that room before us 
holy shit, <laughs> you could have gotten a nice nap that it was so boring and there was plenty of room to sleep. So I'm telling you, there will be plenty of worse things to see than you and Tyler giving, like when you guys used to do the live shows. No, those were great. Isn't that essentially what you did? We brought up other comedians. We brought up no, people who were funny. But the first like 10, 15 minutes was you guys riffing. Well, give, we played games. We did playing trivia. games. That, exactly. Yeah, that, that needs some time. And telling jokes during it. And some of the games were joke, Giving away clocks that you made on fucking Cafe Press that say you'll get yours, Michael Gambon. People love that <laughs> shit. And it's the most important thing. And this is true of comedy in general. You have to be liked you have to be personable you have to people have to want to hear what you have to say and you guys are both very nice people and you're you're not unlike me you know you don't alienate people unlike most comedians <laughs> and so uh, I think people would dig it and right. and because you 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 have you know you would be performing for a very specific fan base no one's gonna say they're not real comedians because you already said that right you say we're not real comedians we're just here to fuck around you know no one would ever call Jesse Thorne a comedian but he performs in front of thousands and thousands of people right so yeah. why can't you do that you already got the beard that's true. <laughs> and that's the other thing. You can make a million jokes about how you're not Jesse Thorne. Yeah. Like, I mean, Ty, like Tyler says, hi, welcome to our show. I'm Tyler Smith, and I'm not Jesse Thorne. <laughs> <laughs> See, I just wrote you your first you opening go. bit. All right. This is... All right. In Arizona, this is what you have to do. Write bits for <laughs> me and Tyler and email them to That's me. all I'll have to do. Well, speaking of the roast, it was a blast mm -hmm. for those of you that could not come. Uh... Uh, it was everything a roast should be. It was mean. It was funny. Uh, some people were good. Some people were terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, there was people who were there just watching, um, you know, making fun of not just me, but other roasters, people in the audience. It was, and it was a mixed bag. It wasn't just, you know, my friends, you know, it was people like Peter Marietta, mm -hmm. who I've known forever, but uh, he's not a, he's not a comedian. He created Wizards of Waverly Place and won an Emmy for it. People like that. Our friend Walker. Um, uh, so, and Mark Hoyk, the movie geek was there yeah. uh, and it was, it was great. And I, I'm think we, we videotaped the whole thing. So I'm, I'm considering doing some editing and, um, putting it up on the web so people yeah. can buy it and they pay whatever you want to watch it. It's one of those things okay. and all the, and we'll just donate all the money to, you know, Fat guy's suicide prevention or whatever. <laughs> well, look for when you watch the the videotaped version. Look for the part during Jim's opening bit when I walk in late. <laughs> my big fat head is going to block out Jim for a second right. until the guy running the video camera goes, "Hey!" and tells me to move. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was how my day started. Hilarious. Yeah, we were, there was some sort of standstill in the four or five, and then parking in Santa Monica. Oh, it's always Sucked. terrible. It was like, I so saw that because me and D Dave Amiot were coming from Long Beach the other way, and I looked over and went, holy shit, what's going on over there? Yeah. So, part, yeah, it was fucked. But then you'll also see the very top of Mrs. Howell's head because uh -huh. she's not quite as tall. Uh, and that's uh, that's lovely to see uh, any part of Mrs. Howell. She's lovely. Right. So, so, <laughs> um, so uh, give me your opinion on that. If you think that's, you know, if you if that's something you'd like to see and you would pay to watch that, uh, let me know. And I would I, tell you as an audience member, it is worth paying to see you. How much would, like, say I put it online like Louis, Louis C.K. style and said, this is five bucks to watch it. Would you pay five bucks? Uh, I would. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like 
but like I don't know, it's video. I don't know because when like when Doug Benson does his like premium episodes, they're only they're like a dollar ninety nine. Okay, but that they don't have videos. I mean, I don't know, maybe two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. Yeah, having not seen it. Now, having seen it and knowing what you're paying for, what do you... I, I'm saying it's worth $5. Okay. Easy, having seen it. But not having seen it, you, would, you wouldn't want to pay more than 3 bucks. Yeah, I think that 3 bucks is okay. a, a good... Okay, so if I put it up for pay what you want and put it up for like 2 3 bucks, yeah, the, as the minimum, you'd be, cool, you'd be cool with that? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Well, that's good because then people pay 3 bucks and go, holy shit, this is hilarious. Yeah. And feel bad that they didn't pay more for it. So... And, I think you'll get more... I know that we're having an off mic type of conversation here. Yeah, but I think you'll have more people. Well, uh, you know the the two dollars per purchase you're losing will be made up by the increased quantity of number, uh, the quantity of people I think who, so. who will buy it. And because, uh, and if I make it clear, all this money goes to this particular charity. People then are apt to pay even more, even if it's not worth it. So, and I, I, that's generally what happens. Then people are like, "Oh, well, here's five bucks." Then they go, right. "Holy shit, I would have paid five bucks anyways." Uh-huh. So, okay. So, so before we get into uh, the phone calls and stuff, let's talk about some stuff we watched this week. You watched Atlanta? I've been watching Atlanta. Yeah, unbelievably we funny. In a couple weeks, yeah. It's not, it is unbelievably funny, but it's more than that. It's a great yeah. show. It's really like laugh out loud funny because the characters and the dialogue, the acting are really good. That one character who's Paperboy's sidekick, hit yeah. one of the best characters on TV in recent years. And he, see, so, to me, the revolution, because I know, obviously, we know Donald Glover. He's yeah. great. Um, from The Martian. Uh, <laughs> and then that guy, uh, Keith Stanfield, or here he's credited as LaKeith Stanfield, but uh-huh. he's been credited as Keith Stanfield in the past. Um, I know him from, um, he was in uh, Selma. He mm. was the, the first um, kid who gets killed by the cops uh, in the diner earlier. I didn't see Selma. Okay. Um, he was in Short Term 12. Didn't see that either. And then he was, he... Uh, um, plays Snoop in Straight Outta Compton. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, when we were watching the first episode, Brooke was like, that guy looks familiar. And I Googled him because she saw Short Turn 12. Yeah. So she was like, oh, but, yeah, yeah, so yeah. To but me, it's totally different because, yeah. of course, he's a very serious in those three movies. Yeah, uh, not a Snoop. Well, I guess he's kind of serious. Cause he's, but he's also playing a different guy. Here, he's just comic relief 100% of the time. Yeah. And he kills it every time. But what I want to say is the revelation to me is the actor I've never heard of, whose name I can't remember, who plays Paperboy. Yeah. Who is fantastic. Well, you know, he plays Brown's ex-husband on Vice Principals. Oh, does he? Yeah, I didn't know that. Which I know I only watched the first episode. I didn't. Stick well, he's a, he, yeah. He he shows up later on because her and her kids. She has her kids, mm-hmm. and he shows up later on. Like I want I want to be with my kids, but he's very funny on that too. But it's funny because almost unrecognizable because they're two completely different characters. Yeah. You know, in paper in this thing, he's a you know young rapper. He's getting high. He's uh, he's on the rise. He doesn't have kids or a girlfriend or anything. This other one, he's a deadbeat dad and he's mm-hmm. a fuck up. But, like, honestly, it's like you could put those two characters next to each other and they wouldn't look the same. Yeah. Even though they're played by the same guy. He had, in his most recent episode, the third... So it's been two weeks, but three episodes, because they showed two episodes right. the first time. So this, the third episode, he had my favorite line, although one of the unfortunate things, or frustrating things about Atlanta is that a lot of the best lines are things that I can't repeat. Yeah, they say N-word. They say N-word constantly. Copiously, yeah. Um, and it's always uh, it, it's 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 used really well, but the conversation with Keith, Lakeith Stanfield about what Lakeith Stanfield calls his gun, yes, he calls it Daddy. And Daddy. The, but like the button at the end of that scene is him saying, 
what do you call your gun? And he goes, and we're gun. Yeah. <laughs> and I, call it, I call it gun. That was the uh, that was the biggest laugh. The great thing, and, and that brings me to one of the things that's great about the show. In the first episode, Donald Glover runs into this guy he knows who works at a radio station who is a white guy. Oh, yeah. And that guy uses the word in front of Donald Glover. Yeah. And he's like, you really said that? Not that he's offended, but he's like, I don't believe that you use that. He's saying, yeah, and I said to this guy, hey, N-word, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And Glover's like... Really? You said that? And he's like, well, you know, yeah, in the moment. So then you think, wow, well, this guy's clearly a dick or, you know, and, and also he's big timing Glover. So, you know, throughout the episode, he, uh, Glover manipulates the deal and whatever and kind of gets over on this guy. But then later on when he meets Paperboy, Glover's character, Earn goes, hey, tell him that story you told me earlier. Yeah. And you know, it's like, let's see if he says the N-word in front of Paperboy. And he doesn't, yeah. because he's a fucking douchebag racist, and it <laughs> it's, it's sets the tone for the whole fucking series right there. And then the second episode, where they both get arrested, and he has to spend the night, not even in jail, but in holding. Yeah. And, and it's great, because it's I've never spent a night in holding, and I've certainly never done it as a black man, but... Everybody in there is black. I don't remember one white person in that in right. that room yeah. until one of the cops walked in and, <laughs> right. and beat up one of the black. Guys. And he's the uh, in charge too. Yeah. Uh, and, but it's like it's a nightmare. You know, you're in there. They're they're in there literally for you know twelve hours, and they can't <laughs> fall. They're not allowed to to fall asleep, let yeah. alone go with, go to sleep. Uh, how about that guy telling the story about he got arrested on the front for drinking on the front porch yep. with the guy he hadn't seen in 11 years. And he says it like eight times because I haven't seen him in 11 years. And then you realize the guy he's talking about is the next row. <laughs> and he turns around, and man, goes, I said I was sorry. And he goes, yeah, I said I was sorry. And then he goes, and we hadn't seen each other in 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I should have just gone home. But the great thing is... I mean, not only is that hilarious, but, you know, for, for you and me and people like us, we have so little understanding of the black experience. Mm -hmm. And you watch this and think, is this realistic? But the truth is, yes. First of all, they're in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. It is a black, black, black community. It is the black, blackest community. It's the only city where a rapper can get famous other than L.A. and New York. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah. So, like, he's famous locally. This guy is like, oh, Paperboy, I heard your shit on the radio. Um, so, it's su it's like a super black experience. And you watch this going, oh, my God, this is what black people go through and they have to sit in jail? Because he couldn't even get out if he if he wanted to. If someone came to bail him out, like, Paperboy's leaving. He's like, I want to bail out my friend. And they're like, no, you got to wait. He's not in the system yet. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck? He's not in the system. Put him in the system so I can get him out. No. <laughs> she says, and the, the chick working there, who's a cop, says, N-word, this ain't a movie. <laughs> get the fuck out. And it's and no one is ever offended by that because they're all black and that's the way they talk. And then on top of that, he's, you know, he's got a girlfriend and a baby and he's essentially homeless. He goes home to his parents and they're like, don't even come in. Yeah. Because you cannot stay here. And his mom is happy to watch his his daughter, her granddaughter. Yeah. But get the fuck out. We got no room for you. You're a grown man. Well, speaking when we talk about it. them using the N-word, how about, uh, like, apparently it affects you can just say fuck now as much as you want. Well, that's, I mean, you you always could. Yeah, on, you could. On cable. But I mean, like, uh, it was, it showed up a, a handful of times in The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Yeah. And here it's like, there's a bunch of like when he uh, the what, the most satisfying part of the third episode to me was when he finally 
chewed out the waitress. Yes, could you quit fucking trying to upsell me? <laughs> yeah, could trying to upsell me. You're, he's, he's like, you're killing me. You're fucking killing me. Yes. And he looks at the bill and he goes, fuck. It's so great. <laughs> and I think that's part of, uh, you know, I talked about this on other podcasts. It's part of this new way of making TV shows where uh, a network like FX that doesn't have a lot of money said, and it's the Louis, what I call the Louis C.K. Uh, way of making a TV show. They say to comics, whatever TV show you want to make, your way, come do it here. Mm -hmm. We'll give you very little money to do it, but 100% creative control. And then when when Donald Glover says, well, you're not going to bleep out fuck in this episode, they Mm -hmm. go, okay, that's the deal we made. And here's your nickel for this episode this (laughs) week. And and, and that's really what it is. It's basically Louis C.K., only he's black and lives in Atlanta. Because he's put upon... He's a loser, he's, but he's doing his best, and he's just trying to get his shit together. And there's a ton of drug use. Um, before we move on, how about uh, my other favorite part from the most recent episodes is the, the callback to the um, homeless parking attendant, like makeshift parking attendant. Oh yeah, when he runs in. He walks in, I'm looking for Mr. Fogel. Yeah, they're towing you. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> and little characters like that all the way through uh, make it very, very funny. Uh, and I was waiting. I was honestly waiting and waiting and waiting for the white character to show up, who's either a stiff or a wigger or whatever, you know. But he, there was none. There was that one guy in the first episode who really just kind of yeah. was there as a as a device more than anything yeah. else. And there's the waitress in this episode. But yeah, they're <laughs> just small characters. And again, that was realistic too. That's because if that was a black waitress, she would have known he can't afford all this shit. She would have said that. <laughs> She, uh, but she was just doing her job at some shit, you know, some stupid, shitty corporate restaurant. Um, did you watch Better Things? Also, I watched that one. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a little, more, it's kind of the same thing. Only it's a girl. It's Pamela Adlon. It's not her yeah, character. Like her. It's not her character from Louie, but it's more of her. She's playing herself because uh, she goes into audition and is like Constance mm-hmm. Zimmer is there. And in the first episode, they're both sitting in the in, in the room and. Julie Bowen comes out from auditioning and they're like, thank you for coming. They follow her out and they're hugging her and fawning over her. And and then uh, uh, Pamela Allen goes, all right, never mind, and gets up. And Constance Zimmer goes, you're leaving? And she goes, it's Julie Bowen. And she walks <laughs> out, meaning Julie Bowen's going to get it. We don't, we're not Julie Bowen. We, we're not on Modern Family. And that's kind of cool because then, you know, uh, they talk about how she was on a show when she was a kid because, of course, she's done... You know, she was in Greece too when she was a kid, really? and she's done a million cartoon voices, Bobby Hill and stuff like that. Does she has an Emmy for for Bobby Hill, doesn't she? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but she has three daughters on the show of different ages, and their father is absent. So that's really the the key of the show. There, her oldest daughter is a fuckhead, of course. But it's pretty funny. It's a little more for women, but uh, I dug it. Did you watch the first episode of American Horror Story? No, I, I, I don't think I watch that show anymore. It's pretty good, at least from the first episode. It's a little different in the sense that they're telling it like one of those... It's like, uh, you know, I took a trip to the ER shows where they have the real people oh, okay. telling the story. And then they have someone else in the, oh. acting it out. So it's, uh, it's... I don't remember what the black guy's name is, but the wife... His wife is Lily Rabe. Uh-huh. They're the ones talking to the camera, telling the story. But Cuba Gooding Jr. and Sarah Paulson are playing them in the enactments. And it doesn't say reenactment. It's just like, this is what happened. They're showing us what actually happened 
as they're talking. I bet about. they're gonna fuck with that premise though. Probably because Ryan Murphy tends to get restless with American Horror Story and just like yes. blow it up. Well, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, at some point, I'm gonna look to Brooke and go, "We're done with this, right?" Well, here's but when I the first episode I liked a lot. Here's when I knew I was doing American Horror Story. The last episode of Freak Show, the the, the Freak Show season. Uh huh. My DVR cut off before, like, five minutes before the end. And you didn't bother. I never bothered. And then <laughs> yeah. so when the next season came around, I was like, clearly I'm not invested in the show. I yeah. didn't bother tracking down the last one. It's minute. great when that happens, because you're like, oh, thank you for making me realize it. Because <laughs> yeah. that happens to me all the time when I realize a show, like, had already started or come back. And you're like, oh, that show came back two weeks ago. I guess I really don't need to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I was really not interested in the first place. That Because I watch so much TV, sometimes a show will build up. And I have to ask myself, am I going to watch this show because I want to or because I feel like I have to? Like it's a chore. And as soon as it, if the answer is ever yes, it feels like a chore, I'm out. I fucking delete every episode. Yeah. So I don't ever have to ask that question again. Yeah. That's something, going back to the previously on days, Sean and I used to talk about like when you look at your DVR and you see you have a new episode of something. And go, (gasps) yeah, you either go, ooh, or you go, all right. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. I do that all the time. Like. Whenever shows, you know, when your favorite show, especially when it's like something short or a cartoon or something you know that's just good. Like Last Man on Earth is that for me. Every time there's a new episode of Last Man on Earth, I get excited because yeah. I know it's going to be funny as fuck. And it's, I'm going to escape for 30 minutes from comedy. Can you tell everybody what you're drinking your smoothie out of right now? <laughs> uh, it's an, uh, I don't know what you call this kind of cup. What would you call this? It's like an insulated cup for hot or cold beverages. Yeah, but it has with a, a built-in like, plastic straw. Yeah, um, and it's uh, Outlander brand. It has the Outlander like crest, and it has Jamie and Claire. Uh, <laughs> where did you get that? Well, you know where I got that. Have you ever been to Whimsic Alley? No. Oh, it's an awesome store. It sounds like something Brooke would like on on Wilshire, and it's full. They have like this room is like all Harry Potter stuff, and then like, uh. Lord of the Rings stuff, and then like. Uh, Game of Thrones stuff and Doctor Who stuff. It's like, it's mm. a nerd. It's like, if you wanted to, if you'd never been to Comic Con before and you were like, I want to be ready for Comic Con, you can go just buy everything you need. Well, I like that too, because yeah. then I can bypass all. Where was the, Where was this Outlander cup? In the boring room? <laughs> no, that was actually, yeah, they didn't, there was no Outlander room. This was near the register. <laughs> <laughs> the impulse buy. Um, all it right, was, yeah. a couple other shows on Amazon. Um, one Mississippi Tiggs show that they showed the pilot last year, and that came on. Uh, I watched the second episode; really funny, and it's super dark because the premise is she, you know, in the first episode, her mom dies yeah. from not because she was sick; she fell and hit her head, and then the next morning she was dead. It was like that, and so and her dad is already long dead from when they were kids. So it's her and her brother and her stepdad dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, in the first episode, there's that funny scene where she's wheeling her mom out of the, her mom's yes. dead body yes, out of the yes, hospital. Yeah. And her mom comes back and she talks to her mom throughout the series. And uh, I, I like the seven, second episode a lot because, of course, if you know Tig, she's super dry mm-hmm. in her delivery and everything. But she says things that are really funny. And the rest of the show is her dad, or her stepdad, and her brother going, come on, Tig, be serious. Yeah. <laughs> but because it, it's a serious thing, and her stepdad is like fucking anal compulsive meticulous to the nth degree. But they're great characters, and they, you know, she's got... Here's the funny thing about it. It was created by her and Diablo Cody, and, oh, I didn't know. and Louis C.K. produces it, so it's got uh, good comedy creds. 
But Tig's wife in the show is named Brooke. <laughs> Normally, for me, you'd think, hey, look, they named a character after you. But that's not the case. Because Diablo Cody's real name is Brooke. Oh. She grew up with the name Brooke. And when someone asked her why she changed it, she said, because I grew up with a super boring name <laughs> that I hated and I wanted to change it. So when she goes, yeah, my wife Brooke, I peek over at Brooke, my wife, and mm-hmm. go, ugh. Because that means, because everyone else goes, hey, that's your wife's name. And my wife goes, fuck you, Diablo Cody. Because <laughs> she's always hated her for that. And because she's fucking overrated. But I'll say, this isn't a <laughs> bullshit Diablo Cody thing. Because imagine... I like Young Adult. That was a good movie. Yeah. Oh, it was really good. But imagine, like, uh, what was the other one where the chick was pregnant? Juno? Juno. Imagine characters saying that shit, but imagine Tig saying it. Taking her time with it, you know, right, not, not giggling at herself while she's doing it. Yeah. That's why the show works. Because uh, Tig Notaro's fucking it, really amazing. And I've never really liked her stand-up, honestly. Huh. But I love her when she's a guest on shows, and I think this is the perfect vehicle for her. The other thing on Amazon is Fleabag, which is very funny. It's an English show about this woman who's a fucking mess. Uh, she's just a young English chick. Who is trying to just, you know, stay on track. But her best friend, who she opened her coffee shop with, died in a weird accident. Her sister's a fucking... uh, Who she's trying to stay connected with is a nightmare. Her mom's dead. Her dad has remarried a woman he doesn't like. Who is that chick from uh, Grace Point? Plays a cop in, like, every English thing. You know what I'm saying? Is it great? Yeah, and then she she was also in The Night Manager. Um, Yeah, right. Olivia Coleman? I guess. I think it's she name. plays her stepmom. Oh, I like her. But she's constantly talking to the camera in a way you don't expect. Like at one point, in the first scene, that's a clown nose. Ah. <laughs> she, uh, she's having sex with this dude in her bed. And he's on top of her and she's looking at the camera going, This is awesome. I really enjoy having sex with this guy. And then he gets, uh, and then he gets off of her and turns her over and starts doing her from behind. Like they're lying down. Mm-hmm. And she's like, now comes that awkward moment when he gets closer and closer to your asshole. <laughs> and then he puts it in her butt. And yeah. she's like, oh. That, like, not like it was a first thing, but then now she's concerned. And she goes, do I have a huge asshole? Because <laughs> it felt good. And that's a funny scene. And this guy asks her out. And she's always looking at the camera. Like, in moments when you don't expect it. Yeah, she looks at the camera and talks to the camera. So, it's pretty funny, but... They're both free if you have Amazon Prime, so I would watch them if I were you. Um, all right. Uh, did you want to talk about anything else you did this weekend or anything crazy? Project Runway's back. Yeah? Yep. <clears throat> and and you, you feel that that is something that needs to be announced? You know, we were watching... Last night, um, Mrs. Hall and I were watching the, uh, the, the first couple episodes, and she was like... It's sad that you're never going to be able to force Paul to watch Project Runway again. That's nice that she recognizes that. <laughs> but it's good that I'll never have to watch Nashville, because that is coming back. Yeah, although apparently without Raina James, or not not without Connie Britton entirely, but she won't be a regular. Oh, darn it. I, you know why? Because she's fucking sick of being on that shitty show. Yeah, she's got obviously got... Better prospects. And I'm sure they can't afford her now either. They, you know, ABC to what are they on the Nashville network now? The Country Channel, whatever yeah, the fuck con- it is. Country Nashville. They can't afford station. Emmy nominee Connie Britton. Um, all right, so we got some good uh, uh, messages from people. Yeah, you, you put out a call for voicemails. 
Yeah, and um, we did, you know, I wanted to hear mostly, you know, what was your favorite part so I could then find the clip. And some of you did that, and I found some clips. Some clips were too hard to find, but we could at least reminisce about them. And some of you just wanted to call to say thanks. Um, so let's, uh, I'll play one for you right now. Hey, David and Paul. This is Truman, longtime listener and fan of both the shows. I uh, just wanted to say that I'm going to miss Paul on uh, doing the podcasting. Been a fan of his for a long time, as he knows. And you wanted my favorite moments. Well, I have two. One from the Paul Goebel show absolutely has to be the moment where you guys had an argument over what is considered prostitution at a uh, massage parlor. I always thought that was absolutely hilarious and uh, a conversation that got completely out of control. And my moment for Hey, Watch This is when Paul realized that David has never seen Coming to America, which I still can't believe he still hasn't seen that show. And I will probably only listen to the new version of the show if he does watch Coming to America, because I refuse to watch it. Uh, I refuse to listen to a show if he doesn't. So that's it, guys. Uh, this ride has been really fun, and we will see you all in the future of whatever else you're doing. All right, guys. Bye. Okay, so the first clip he was talking about was from the old Paul Goebel show, and I actually did include that clip in the last episode of the Paul Goebel show, or at least the second to last one. So if you want to hear it, you can go back and listen okay. to that, which is funny. But also, I think everybody wants to know, have you seen Coming to America? No, I haven't. Wow. What is wrong with you? Is it an issue now? You're never going to see it on principle? You uh, know Cuba no, Gooding no, Jr.'s no. in it. No, but I do wonder if it's one of those things... Um, that I wonder if it's an age difference thing. You're, you know? Well, it certainly is an age difference thing, yes. But, like, people your age love Caddyshack. Yeah. Caddyshack pretty, mostly sucks. No! No, <laughs> it does not. It's so funny. Um, Maybe as a movie it's put together it's, poorly. It is a really sloppily made movie. But the funny parts are hilarious. And it's got... Chevy Chase, back when he was funny, Bill Murray, Rodney Dangerfield, Rodney Dangerfield. Ted Knight, come on, man, okay. he kills uh, it. I mean, I'll give you, Rodney Dangerfield is hilarious. The, yes. um, that's the worst hat I ever saw. When you bought that hat, you got a free bowl of soup. Oh, it's good on you. It looks good on you. <laughs> I say that shit all the time. Give me 12 of these, give me 6 of these, give me a dozen of those, give me some of those orange balls, some of those naked lady tees. Hey, Wang, what are you doing? It's a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking movie is brilliant. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield is brilliant. Um, I don't know. I'll see Coming to America. I, I, I have no beef against seeing it. Okay. But I don't think that it is as much of a cultural uh, landmark for people my age. No, because also it, it you know it does hold a place because there's a you know there's a Trading Places joke in there. Uh, there's basically is the Trading Places joke in Coming to America. Yeah, I don't want to ruin it, but the the Dukes. You know, uh -huh. they make a cameo as them oh, as the Dukes in Coming to America. So it's a bigger thing because it's John Landis right. trading places with John yeah. Landis. There, at one point that he gets off the subway, there's an enormous poster for the new film "See You Next Tuesday," uh, starring right. Jamie Lee Curtis and all these ridiculous yeah. people. So it is a cultural thing for people like That's me who grew up watching Animal House and Caddyshack and Trading Places. And now, it fits in with that. If the question is, have I seen Trading Places, the answer is, of course. And Trading yes. Places is brilliant. Yes. They're and I think com comedy. Coming to America is on that level. Okay. It's just more an Eddie Murphy film. But it's also, I mean, it's weird because Arsenio is in it. And, I mean, how many films of Arsenio has Arsenio even made? Yeah, Three, two of them, which were with Eddie Murphy, <laughs> you know? 
Um, and the other one was with John Landis, Amazon Women on the Moon. He was oh, in that. Right, yeah. So, so he gives a good performance, although you think, really? Arsenio? That's weird. But also James Earl Jones is in it. Okay. Uh, Eric LaSalle plays kind of the bad guy in it. Okay. He's a fine actor. Yeah. That's the key is there's good acting in it. And some people I know are bummed at like how Eddie Murphy is doing all these different characters. Uh, you know, he's an old man cutting hair. He's... You know, in the barber shop. Why are people bummed by that? Well, because uh, some people, well, some people got sick of him doing that, like in Vampire in Brooklyn and The Clumps, and you know mm-hmm. those movies. People were like, enough with that horse shit. But the truth is, this is the first time he did yeah. it, and it was great. And also, he's the old Jewish man, mm-hmm. which was at the time supposed to be a big reveal because he doesn't look anything like himself. He's an old white Jewish man. And then it was at the end of the movie they show you he also played this old Jewish man, and everyone was like, what? But there were people who went, I knew he was the old Jewish man. And kind of like the people who saw The Sixth Sense and, <laughs> and say they hate it because they knew the ending was what the ending was. It's not the movie's fault. But it's fucking funny. And Cuba Gooding Jr. Is, a, is basically an extra it, throughout the barbershop scene. That's funny. Um, and it, it's, it's, it goes, it's unlike Caddyshack. There are funny scenes one after another. And it tells a really good story. So, okay. I'll say this. Do, do me a favor. Pro- make me a promise and everybody listening. If coming to America... If? If coming to America is playing in a theater here okay. in L.A., promise me you will take time out and go see it. I promise I'll try. No. I, no, there is no try. There is only do or not do. Promise me you will go see it. In a theater in L.A. Uh, I can't make that promise. Wow. Because I don't know what else bitch. is going on there. You day. call yourself a movie critic. That's why I'm saying put everything else on hold. When you're when Mrs. Howell says, hey, are we going to celebrate our anniversary tonight? You say, no, I'm sorry. I made a promise to Paul Goebel, who's now dead, and all of our <laughs> listeners that I would go see Coming to America the next time it's in the theaters, and tonight is the only night. Yeah, obviously, you just gave a perfect example of why I can't make that promise. But that's why I'm saying you need to make that promise, because you'll always, you'll always have an excuse. Yeah, I'm not going to. All right, well, uh, I guess you don't like movies or comedy. Um, uh, so thank you, Truman. I know you've been a, a long-time listener, and uh, I appreciate your support. Uh, you're one of my internet friends. So uh, thank you very much. All right, let's move on to this next one. Uh, this one's from Nick, who uh, from Tin Can Media, who I did right. a, did an interview with the other day. So here's this one. Paul Goebel, this is Saucy. I am wishing you all the best on your move to Phoenix. I don't have a favorite Hey Watch This moment. I love all the episodes. Hey Watch This always rocks. Once you're gone, I'm sure it'll still rock. Although it'll rock just a little bit less without your ominous presence on there every week so i was just calling to say we'll miss you on the show i'll miss listening to you on the show at least and good luck with all you do this is saucy later now david let's address his concerns about the show rocking will will it still rock as much it will still rock okay well i think that's a given the show will definitely rock but what are you what what steps are you going to take to make sure it at least rocks as much as this See, show? And I don't think uh, I don't think it ever will. 
So you're I think without without your presence, they can only we can only do maybe a three quarter uh, rock. Well, will you possibly make an attempt to rock as much, but maybe in a different way? Like okay. you rock and roll, you throw maybe, in some. Oh, maybe I'll roll. You throw in some roll to make up for the lack of rock. There we go. Yeah. You, can you do that? Yeah, I can do that. All right, or reeling. You could reel also. Oh. There's rocking and reeling. All right, I hadn't thought about that. And every once in a while, just rock out with your cock out, right? Done. All right, done deal. <laughs> All right. Um, now this is one I couldn't honestly. I, I tried. I really tried to find this clip. Okay. But luckily, we can recreate it. So <laughs> okay. Here's the uh, here's the message. Paul, you know who this is, uh, and I am dying to hear a clip. Of you mocking or, or mimicking uh, the uh, the Irish music from Comic Con uh, that you would always talk about it was so loud that you can't overhear. I would love to hear an impression of that again. Uh, all right, bye. So, t- t- explain to people what he's talking about. Well, I'm uh, I'm sad you couldn't find any examples of you doing because you yeah you must have done it every year. Yeah, I did it at least once a year. Some I'm sure I did it more than once a year, but yeah, I right. honestly look. Well, the problem is because I used to use a different server. I, I we were originally on Libsyn and then I moved to Podbean because it mm-hmm. was cheaper, and then I moved back to Libsyn because they offered me a year for free. So okay. of course I had to go back. So now all those episodes that were on Podbean. Uh, uh, are no longer on the internet. I have the actual files, but I have no notes as to what each episode oh, is. I see. Okay. So, like, if you go on the internet and search, you know, Paul Goebel, you know, uh, Hey, Watch This, David Beck's Comic-Con, the episodes might come up, mm-hmm. but I can't listen to them because they're not on the internet anymore. Okay. And I only have the name, you know, Season 5, Episode 26. So, so what this is, then, is um, what, uh, what this person's talking about. You know who this is. I don't. Oh, Okay. Um, who is it? I don't know. He says you know who this oh, is. Oh, I thought you knew. No, uh, I don't. No, he says you know who this is. Yeah. And you're the Google, uh, well, what's it called? Um, the number? The Google, no, the Google Voice thing thinks his name is Matt. But yeah. That's not what he said. He said man. <laughs> yeah, he didn't say Matt. He said man. Anyway, um, so we used to, Battleship Pretension does a meetup at Comic-Con every year. And for a few years, we were at this place. Uh, called Dublin Square, which is a great restaurant and uh, good yeah, good, good food drink, and good great food. drinks and yeah. hot waitresses. Um, they also have live music, Irish music, which is fun and fitting for the restaurant. But when it comes to trying to have a meetup there, it would sometimes uh, be difficult to yeah carry on a conversation because of what? Well, I went. Did I, was I at the first one? I think you went at the second one. Okay. Maybe. So how many times did you do it there? Three. Okay, so I went to the second one, then you did one more, and then you moved it for this exact reason. For this exact reason. Too loud, because of course, it's not just that they're playing fucking music, but they're playing a lute and a fucking accordion and bagpipes, and it goes... And Tommy O'Grady and Flanny O'Lady and Honey O'Flady and Clanny Colady. You're trying to have a fucking conversation with Kate Kulzik, mm-hmm. who doesn't raise her voice for any reason, <laughs> and it's impossible to fucking hear. And all the waitresses walk around in kilts, and they're lovely, and and it's like really, there wasn't one fucking bar or restaurant where you could have done this. Although I'll say the main reason I went is because you guys were paying for drinks for the first few hours. Uh, yeah, we. I mean. Yeah, we weren't. Someone else was. Who was? Uh, at that point, Warner Brothers was. Oh, really? Yeah. Who who got Warner Brothers to pay for it? 
the guys from the Warner Archive. It was, it was oh, it's, nice. the, it's the Battleship Retention Criterion Cast Warner Archive meetup. Oh, it's all three of you guys doing it. Yeah. I know I knew about Criterion. Okay. Although so, this year it was just the Battleship Retention Criterion Cast meetup and someone else paid for the drinks. And who paid for them then? Filmstruck. Wow. So you just get a sponsor saying, "Hey, we're having a meetup. Can you give us some money to pay for drinks?" That's how it worked this year. The other years because one of the, you know, Matt from Warner Archive was one of the hosts of the event. Uh-huh. He could just talk to his bosses and like put it on as a part of his expense. Nice because he was there for work. I'm amazed um, that you and Tyler haven't gotten like a legit sponsor yet. Is this have, because you guys don't want to be beholden to anybody? We have sponsors on the podcast. No, you know, know what I mean. Like we have we're movie and tweaked. No tweaked. Jesus, I'm saying a legit sponsor that sends you guys a check every month to do whatever you want with. And not because you you say, hey, use our code to buy earbuds, but just because they want to support independent film review the way the Warner Brothers and Warner Archive does. um, Okay, but then it would have to be like, Battleship Retention brought to you by Glad. (laughs) Right, I mean, it wouldn't be Glad. It might be brought to you by even IMDb. You know, they have enough money to do that. Is that why you guys haven't looked into it? Because you don't want to have to answer to anybody I'm, I'm saying that's totally legit if that's the case uh, I don't know that we've ever looked into that kind of like overall sponsorship that wouldn't be because I think you guys have because yeah I wouldn't want to be beholden because you have the kind of uh, listenership now that you could go to somebody like that and say we want you know a sponsor so we don't you know we can pay for meetups and you know have battleship pretend con what would you call it battle con pretend invention Battlecon Prevention. Battle... What would you call it? I, you're on something. <laughs> um, Battleship Pretencon? Yeah, I like that. Or Pretenchcon. Damn, that's a little Battleship clunky. Pretenchcon. Yeah, see, Max Fun lends itself to that. Max Funcon. I would call it Baxcon. That's what I, I would think call Tyler it. Would like that. <laughs> well, it's better than Smithcon, for Christ's sake. <laughs> um, all right, so let's go to the next clip. Okay. All right. So this one again is just uh, our old friend Mendoza, who uh, I, I want to say this about Nick Mendoza. Again, he's one of my internet friends who I've never met, but he used to listen to the old show, and he's listening to this one. He always shares his opinions. He always is engaging on Twitter and Facebook, and. Um, you might have noticed on 9-11, I was on a roll with all my 9-11 tweets that uh-huh. day about, you know, what people should actually remember about 9-11, one of which being, you know, 9-11 was the day when brown kids in America stopped enjoying their childhood, mm-hmm. uh, because regardless of your age, talk to a, a young brown person in their 20s, early 30s, and and listen to the story about how they went back to school the next day, and now they had no friends, mm-hmm. and everyone hated them. Ahmed, you know Ahmed Barucha? No. He's a very funny comedian. He had his own special uh, uh, this year, I think, on Comedy Central. But he's really funny, and he doesn't even talk about it in his act. But he has, you know, very vivid and bold memories of going to school the next day and going, "What's up, guys?" and them going, "Fuck you," and he's like nine. You know, and that happened for hundreds and thousands of yeah. kids. And, uh, and you know, we all know that none of that shit had to happen. Uh, and it's awful. So one of the things I said was, and I, I do believe this, and I admit I'm talking out my ass, but unless I'm faced with other evidence, I believe that that was the time when racist people of color 
were actually happy that they could now be racist against other people. Oh, okay. uh, instead of just, you know, being racist in a blowback way to fuck you, whitey, uh-huh. which you will expect from a black person because they're constantly being, yeah. being no, said, we, fuck you. We totally deserve it. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but now they could walk out in the street and see people going, go home, go home, and be a part of that. And they can stand next to a white guy and be united in their hate for a third race. And until 9-11, black people were not given that opportunity. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Well, it is wrong, obviously. Yeah, but I'm, wrong. I'm also not holding it against black people because when you grow up your whole life uh, being, you know, uh, having people be racist towards you, uh, when you see that opportunity to bond with white white person, even if it's over racism, you might take the opportunity. But I said that, and uh, a friend of mine who is black... Uh, said, I think you're full of shit on this. He was like, he was very cool about it, but he said, you know, you might want to stay in your own lane when it comes to this. All due respect. And I said, I, again, if it was a white person, I probably would have argued, but I'm going to defer to his judgment <laughs> yeah. because he's black. And he said, I've never seen that. And also, I he was kind of making the point that because there's so many black Muslims, that doesn't really happen. Okay. My point was not against Muslims, just against others. It was a good. It was a good opportunity for black people to other someone else instead of being othered themselves. But my, the point I'm making is Mendoza came to my defense oh, okay. as a black man and said, uh, "No, he's Goebbels right. I see this all the time." And then he and this other guy got an argument, and I went, "Gosh, what do I do? My only two black friends are arguing." <laughs> um, but I wanted to give him a shout out for that because he didn't have to fucking do that. Where he, he's never met me. But he's a devoted fan and, and listener, and he's always a cool, been a cool guy. And we make fun of his name every time he answers yep. a trivia question, and he's cool with it. So here's his message. Hi, this is Mendoza. I just wanted to call and leave my memory of the show. Um, they were all good memories. I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed every episode. I appreciated you two and what you did, and I hope you're both happy and healthy moving forward. Thank you. Thank you, Mendoza. Thank you, Mendoza. Obviously, he's a very uh, soft-spoken guy who doesn't waste words, so I know that was probably hard for you to do, to call in and uh, and do that. Now, this next one, I, did I send you this one? No, you only sent me that first one. That oh, I yeah? To. Yeah. That one? Okay, so this one's great, because, uh, again, I don't think he uh, uh, is from um, J- this guy, John. I don't think he gives a specific moment. Okay. But uh, he has a very heartfelt message. Okay. Um, so this one's pretty great. Hey, Paul and David. This is John. I live in Maine, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for all the podcast fun over the last couple of years. Um, my wife gave birth to our daughter about two years ago, and I stayed at home to take care of her, and a big part of our Monday mornings has been listening to you guys while we eat breakfast. She dances to the, hey, watch this theme. She loves it. And, yeah, I love it, too. So I'm always going to think back at the time when I was hanging out with my kid, listening to you guys. You guys are a part of that. I don't know if it's schmaltzy or whatever, but that's just what I wanted to tell you guys. Thank you. Bye. Uh, that's very touching. Yeah, thank you, John. That's that's sweet. And it's funny because, you know, as a parent, uh, I you know, my kids are pretty much grown now. Uh, and every once in a while I will have a memory of when they were little and it makes me really, really sad Yeah. because I miss that. 
And, you know, obviously it's a trick of the mind that I only remember the good things. I don't remember <laughs> when they were complete assholes. And, uh, and it's just uh, like the key is, you know, remember things that are happening now that are fun as well. Um, but it's but I remember things like this, too. Memories that I made with my kids watching a show, yeah. listening to things on the radio, them, you know, making a bond over that. And, I mean, the fact that she dances to the Hey Watch This theme, uh, I mean, that's amazing considering how bad it is. You know what I mean? That someone can enjoy it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I I picture Elaine dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. Well, that's how little kids dance. Yeah. They don't care. But he will, you know, every once in a while he'll remember while, while his kid grows up. You know, who knows? One day, uh, you know, one of us does something that other people in the country care about. And he goes, oh, Paul Goble, I used to listen to that guy on his old podcast when my daughter was a little baby. You know, yeah. now she's 14. And she probably won't remember any of it. No. But he now has that strong bond with his kid. And that's, I used to tell people, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have friends who are musicians. Mm-hmm. And uh, they get frustrated sometimes when they're playing gigs. Because they feel like background music. You know, they feel like there are people out there who aren't necessarily listening. Yeah. They're maybe, especially at a bar or a club, they're having a conversation or they're doing something else and the music is literally just background. And he was like, I remember I had this conversation with a guy once. He said, you know, what you do, when you do comedy or you perform, people are actively watching you. I'm just background music. And I said, bro, you don't get it. You're background music for his life. You are the soundtrack of people's lives. Yeah. From, 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 you know, for all you know, that guy who's not paying attention to you could be meeting his wife right now. And they will always remember that band. They may not remember your name or the song you were playing, but they will always remember that band they were listening to at that club when they met. No one will ever remember the fucking idiot <laughs> who was doing his jokes the night they met. They'll remember, yeah, remember when we met outside that club after that terrible show? <laughs> and uh, and we hung out? Because you don't meet people at shows or plays or anything like that. You meet them at concerts and shit. So that's very cool of him. Yeah. And, and then we got this call from the, the net, that very same number. Um, <laughs> it came in, let's see. The first one came in at 12. Oh, he did them backwards. So one came in at 12, 12 p.m. And one came in at 12, 14 p.m. Two minutes apart from the same number. Here it is. I'm Mimi. I'm Mimi. That's it. <laughs> Obviously, that's his daughter. He called again and yeah. let her talk. And the reason she's saying mommy, mommy is because that's what kids do. Because... When you have a kid, the only time they talk on the phone is talking to their parents. Uh-huh. Obviously, he always goes to her. Do you want to talk to mommy? And she, right. and so when he, she sees the phone being handed to her, she assumes it's mommy. But that's very nice of you, and uh, that's lovely that your daughter. So she has that to listen to. She's like, yeah. you can say, "Hey, remember when you were one?" No, well, listen to this, <laughs> and then he plays, "Hey, watch this," and she has the urge to dance. Um. Uh, okay, you want to listen to the next one? I do. All right, this one comes from Downey here in, in California. Oh, yeah. And this is Joe. Uh, 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 here it is. Uh, hey, Paul Goble. This is Joe uh, calling in to uh, talk about my favorite moments in Hey, Watch This History. 
I remember when uh, Jim Bruce was was uh, guest co-hosting. Uh, you guys were uh, you know, were finishing the episode, and as you always do, you ask David uh, if the audience is looking for something to watch. What should they do? And uh, but this time, when you asked uh, Jim Bruce uh, what they should watch, he just said, "Ah, go fuck yourself." I thought that was a great callback to uh, Paul Goebel, uh to uh, King of TV History. So uh, I don't know, just really liked that uh, moment. Made me laugh really, really hard for a long time. Oh, and I, I also really like it when uh, Paul talks about uh, the, uh, an actress's boobs and it makes David feel uncomfortable. I think that that's always great. So uh, love the show. Uh, I'm going to miss it a lot. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, Paul, for all the many years of uh, comedy. Uh, really, if you're a big fan, so thanks. Bye. So, yeah. uh, again, I couldn't find the particular episode where Jim said that because okay. it, was, it wasn't available. But, yeah, it did happen once where I said, so what should people watch? And Jim went, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and that was very funny. But I did find a clip of okay. us talking about boobs and you being great. What, what is the word? How would you describe yourself during that conversation? Well, he said uncomfortable. Yeah, but... It, you're, it's more than uncomfortable. Exasperated? Yeah, but it's more than that. It's more. It's like a. It's a. It's a melange of feelings because uh-huh. because you are uncomfortable having the conversation yeah. physically and and emotionally, but also you feel like you have to constantly defend. I don't know women and men or society, uh-huh. or you feel like some sort of defender. Whereas I'm not even saying anything that needs defense. I'm just being honest and truthful about the way the world is and you're more and I I've listened to this clip over and over again and I think I finally get it. Okay. You're saying um yes, you're right that it sucks, but if we don't do something to change it, including not saying those things, uh-huh. it will never change. Whereas I say I don't say those things, but I'm not going to live in a false world where that doesn't exist. I have to acknowledge it, otherwise you're just hiding under a rock. Uh, All right, let's listen to that. Which I, that sums up both of our points of views, right? I think so. I'll have to hear what we're talking. Even about. though we we do disagree, I think we're both making salient points. So I found a clip of that, and then someone actually requested this particular clip. Okay. Because I call you Hitler in it. Okay. And so this like is that. this is the Hitler clip. I'm gonna lay it out for you because oh. we're gonna because this is gonna be a dividing point in you and I's relationship. One of our many dividing points uh-huh. in a perfect world. This young girl, and I'm, I'm talking about if this Alex character was real, if the Dunphy family was a real family. In a perfect world, uh, she would develop her breasts like a normal woman does, and like she has. I'm not saying she hasn't. I would say she would develop her breasts. Her family and friends would notice it, but not comment on it. Right. And she would go on and live her life uh, without any... Maybe enjoying them or maybe being annoyed by them, but they would be her own business and nobody would ever comment on them without being asked for it. That's a perfect world. In a real world, she would at some point go to one of her parents, most likely her mom, and say, oh my God, I hate my life now. Every guy at school is constantly staring at my tits, and my back is killing me all of a sudden. I can't do any sports anymore, so i got to take that off my resume. This is bullshit. I have to do something about this. And her mom would go, okay, let's see what we can do about it. Yeah. Which is exactly what happened in real life. 
Ariel Winter said to her parents and her manager and everyone else, I'm tired of everyone staring at my giant boobs. And she went and got boob reduction surgery. And on this next season of Bonner Family, she will look more her age and it won't be as distracting. So once again, I was correct. I don't know if you I wasn't politically correct, but I was correct because it distracted me and she said, I'm tired of being guys being distracted. They're distracted from my acting or uh, things I have to say because of my giant boobs. It's not necessarily right or good, no, but it is perfectly, right it it is perfectly natural. It's the way the world works. It, if I ever no, met if, her, if, if her issues have to do with, you know, her physical comfort and health and stuff like that, but it sucks. It sucks really, really hard. It absolutely that, does. That, 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 that the other thing, the uh, people, the the mongoloids not being able to keep their eyes off her, has to be on her to fix. That she has to do something about. Yeah. That. And so when you say she's more sexualized, you're supporting that. We should be we should be the ones to change. We should stop. Spending. And how should I, you can't change something by ignoring it or pretending it's not happening? No, you can literally ignore it by not staring at women's breasts. And I don't stare at women's breasts. Uh, I mean, if they're at least they're seventeen year olds on television. Well, if I, I can't stare on a at a woman's breast on television, then fuck you, Hitler. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Here's my point. When my daughter started high school, she came home after this assembly and was livid that she was told she couldn't wear spaghetti straps or tube tops or any other revealing uh, clothes because it's distracting. And her her reaction was, how about you just don't sexualize uh, teenage girls and you mind your own fucking business? And I said, you're absolutely right. You are 100% right. Unfortunately... You don't make the rules for that school, and so nobody cares what you have to say. And unfortunately, young boys definitely don't care what you have to say, and they will not stop sexualizing you. And sadly, neither will their fathers. So that's the way the world works. So for the greater good, you have to not wear that stuff. Okay, in the short term. You can't just chalk it up to that's the way the world works. Right now. That's the way the world works today. So if you... You have daughters, so you're off the hook. But if uh, (laughs) people who have young sons, like, start early. Like, teach them that's not how... Absolutely. You realize you're in the minority. You were raised by a woman who did the right thing and (laughs) raised you correctly. I was raised by a man as well. I was raised by... But still, obviously, uh, he didn't do it all by himself. You were raised by uh, a smart, strong woman who taught you that women, just like everyone else, need respect. And in some cases, women need a special kind of respect that you don't give to a man. Yeah. So you're lucky. You realize you're in the minority. I was raised to believe that... Uh, boys and girls were equal, and I was also. My dad was very strict that words like slut or whore were just as bad as saying fuck or shit. Like you did not say yeah. those sorts of things uh, in my. And he was absolutely right, uh, but unfortunately, you know, not everybody agrees with you. You are in the minority, and yes, I hope in the future everyone is like you. And, and uh, me too. I hope in the future everyone has really short hair and a long, crazy beard <laughs> and loves shitty movies. <laughs> so there's the clip. actual clip. It is a good clip. Yeah, because, I still think I'm more right than you. No, I, I disagree. I still think you're giving in to the status quo in that. 
I'm not giving in to anything. I'm recognizing it. It's if a lion is coming at you to 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 eat you, you don't say this is bullshit. This lion coming to eat me? How dare you, lion? I'm not bothering anybody. You fucking run. You run away. Who is the lion and who is the person in the, the lion, sexualization of women being? The lion is the men who are who are sexualizing the woman and uh, the person being chased by so the, lion the lion is everybody. No, because I'm not sex- chase the woman down. I'm not sexualizing anybody, and I just said but you, the whole you cut out the part, or you you conveniently started after the part where you did. Yeah, which is what sparked this whole conversation. I did not sexualize her. Her, it, she was sexualized by nature. That's my point. Nature sexualized her. I just noticed it the way I notice a nice tree or a stinky swamp. Oh bullshit! Sorry. That's the way it is. Now, what I do after that, after I notice it, that is my responsibility. And if I go, wow, Ariel Winter, you got some nice jugs. That's pretty fucked up of me. That's why I don't do that. But I have every right to notice things and keep them to myself and react yeah, appropriately. But you have a podcast where every week you don't keep your thoughts to yourself. Because the pod, it's my podcast. <laughs> When have I ever said these things outside of this podcast where other people could hear it? <laughs> That's my point. I like the implication here that if you went out onto the street and talked out loud, more people would hear you than who listen to this podcast. <laughs> it's absolutely true. No, but on other podcasts or in stand-up, I don't do this. Okay. Here's the difference. like in I learned this uh, by reading David Brenner's books that uh, on stage... You should, you know, take responsibility for shit you say. And if you're going to make jokes about rape and child molestation and AIDS and shit like that, there's going to be people, there's going to be blowback. And you can't, you can't say, hey man, it's my art. If you don't like it, you don't have to listen. That's a coward's way out. Mm -hmm. Because what you're saying is, I don't take responsibility for this thing I created, which is the complete opposite of what you're supposed to be doing. Instead, you have to say, well, it's it's my joke. I take responsibility for it. And in some cases, I think Sarah Silverman being the best case when she made her joke about I love chinks, mm-hmm. you know, there was a huge blowback. But she knew and she will still say to this day, yes, it sucked and it hurt my feelings, all the shit I got, but it made me famous. And, and that's the bottom. And she told me that to my face. Yes, it sucked when that happened, but it was totally worth it. Because now I'm famous. And more importantly, she was being honest and true to herself. And that's a fucking hilarious joke. The I love chinks joke. And there are going to be people who listen to this to go, who say, he just said chinks three times. Uh Fuck Paul Goebel. Because they don't like that word. Okay, I'm not responsible for their their, uh, reactions to that word. Especially on my fucking podcast where I have 100% creative control, which is the point of a fucking podcast. Which brings me to a bigger point. How is this different than David Brenner's thing about not taking responsibility for what you say on stage? Because the podcast is different than on stage. Yes, because the podcast is not a performance. And, And this goes to a bigger issue of what podcasts should and should not be. But off stage, or in an interview or something like that, when I'm basically, I'm not pretending, I'm not the character of Paul Goebel on stage... I can do whatever the fuck I want and say whatever the fuck I want. If you don't like it, you are more than welcome to walk away, not ever talk to me ever again. And 
you know, that has changed over the years. I, I don't find rape and child molestation as funny as I used to. So I don't make as many jokes about it and, and AIDS and all that stuff that's horrible. But still... Off stage, you can say whatever you want. And even then, sometimes it's pretty fucking hysterical. So it's yeah, okay. Yeah, it's funny, it, uh, that goes a long way towards yeah. uh, solving it. And but, uh, look, listen, everybody. <laughs> there's hope out there. If Paul Goebel can someday not find child molestation funny anymore, there's, Maybe ho- you there's can hope too. for humanity. All right, let's do the next one. Well, I wanted to say, uh, last night at the roast, uh, some, uh, Peter Marietta... It mentioned that he said you were always ahead of the curve Paul and I've I've thought that for a long time part of the reason I'm not successful is because I am ahead of my time I do okay. things that are great and people don't think they're great but then someone else does it a little better or someone famous does it and okay. they and it gets great and I go this ah. is weird to hear from the guy who still thinks that Fonzie is the ideal of cool yeah right <laughs> but then like and and well he brought up podcasting as an as an example and you are not uh, included in this because I think you started your podcast before I started mine the old Paul Goebel show I don't know right if that's true. we were on the same time but I think you guys started it might have been only a month before okay. but I do think you started because you were honestly you and Tyler and Jimmy Pardo were probably the three biggest influences for me starting okay. a podcast. But at the time, you know, there, I started mine before Mike Schmidt started his, yeah. which was hugely popular. And and Mike will tell you this himself. When he started doing his podcast, he was always in the top ten on iTunes, yeah. the most downloaded. And then Adam Carolla and Mark Marin yeah. and all these people started podcasts that were basically radio shows yeah. with, that they recorded in their garage. And, of course, then the top ten were... You know, five of them were some NPR show, mm-hmm. and the other five were a successful comedian who uh, had every who was recording in a radio studio and had great, you know, fucking sound. I have still to this day am recording in my house yeah. on one microphone that's plugged into my computer. That's what a podcast is, and it's and and you, <laughs> and, and I am backed up by every fucking silly twat who says, "Hey, I have a radio show." But it's actually a fucking podcast. All these conservative dipshits who say, join me on my radio show this week. And I go, oh, what channel is it on? And they go, WWW, fuck you, asshole. You don't have a radio show. You have a fucking podcast. If you say fuck during your radio show, it's a podcast. That's the fucking rule. What if it's on Sirius XM? It's, not a, it's definitely not a radio show. Okay. It's a satellite radio show. Which we know is very, very different. Here's the difference. Radio has been around for a long fucking time. Uh-huh. And for you to use that word and in having not be a radio show, you got some fucking balls, friend. <laughs> That's like me saying, I have a TV show on YouTube. You, you know you can't legally call the stuff on Amazon TV show. Jeff Bezos does interviews and he avoids the word TV. Because legally, he cannot call them that. Because huh. they're not on TV. When I watch them, they're on my TV. Me too, but they originate from the internet, not from TV. And legally, he cannot call those Amazon shows TV shows. So, if you call your fucking podcast a radio show, not only are you breaking the law, but you're a fucking cunt. All right, let's listen to this next fucking clip. Let's do it. This guy, uh, I don't know, he edited it, or maybe I did. I don't know, it says edited. I don't know who did, but he was drunk, so maybe that's why it had to get edited. Oh, all right. Hey, Paul. Uh, I am drunk in my hotel room at Disneyland. And, uh, yes, I have heard you on a podcast. Multiple. 
I recall fondly you're arguing with Jimmy Dore on Jimmy Dore's podcast. All right, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're the best. You're the TV geek is always the best. Yeah, man. Right. Oh, thanks. <laughs> for that. Uh, He's a huge fan of yours. <laughs> yeah, he provided a memory of not this show. And not the not Paul Goldberg show. show. Not even Battleship Pretension. <laughs> A show called Comedy and Everything Else that doesn't even exist anymore. Doesn't even exist. But I will say, you can easily Google that. If you Google Paul Goble, Jimmy Dore, Todd Glass, that clip is available. And it's not even a clip. It's a whole fucking episode. And I was going to take part of it and put it in here, but it is exhausting to listen to. Just like every episode of that show. And what's great is, (laughs) what's great is, you know, they're constantly asking me, well, make your point. Make your point. And I start to... And then Jimmy makes some stupid joke, and I ignore it. And then Todd doesn't react to it, so Jimmy calls him on it. And then Todd explains why he's upset, and then they go off on some bullshit. And then ten minutes later they go, well, you still have yet to make your point. And I I feel bad because it was my responsibility to go, then shut the fuck up, you three retards, and let me talk. Because that's what happened. They fucking ganged up on me. Yeah. And, and Todd, who uh, has the worst ADD of anybody I've ever met, uh, and he's uh, all his other fucking mental problems. And then Jimmy, who doesn't give a fuck about anything. And Steph, who is completely unqualified to even be on the air. So if wow. you, you want to listen to that, and I love them, by the way. I love all three of those people dearly. But that show, like it. there's a reason why that show doesn't exist anymore. Because it fucking sucked. It was exasperating to listen to. But if you want to hear what uh, what this guy's talking about, uh, just Google that. Jimmy Dore, Paul Goble, uh, comedy and everything else. Todd Glass. You'll, you'll find it. Do you remember that episode? Yeah. It, it, it was exactly as you described it. It was right? exhausting. It's fucking exhausting. Because I listened to the whole thing trying to find a good clip, and I couldn't. And I thought, well, I either have to play this whole thing, or I have to tell people this is fucking horrible. <laughs> Don't listen to it. Um, Alright, this is a good clip I think you'll enjoy this Because this is one of your favorite old jokes From the old Paul Goldblum Oh, show. good Alright, here's this one Hi, Paul I called to share one of my favorite memories From the old Paul Goble show You used to sell bonus content videos on the show And you would give the number of videos And then you'd name a price And then you'd ask the guest What was the cost per video The guest was always put on the spot to do a simple division problem, and they always got flustered and blew it. Um, As a listener at home, the correct answer always seems so simple. How much money for a Paul Goebel bonus content video? Only right answer, way too much. Burn. Paul, I love you. Don't leave the show. You're an opinionated bastard, and I need that. So that I know you like that joke. I always did. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I was on your your show or any other show, and I would mention the bonus content, you would ask, "How much is that a piece?" <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, that is a funny gag, and I like that he threw in that burn too. Yeah. That's nice because I always enjoy a nice a nice burn. So, is that bonus content still available? Yes. Well, because my website's down right now, okay. it, it is not. But so, I mean, if you want to send me an email and say, "Hey, send me some bonus content," those videos. Do still exist, and I will happily sell so them to you. And it's five dollars for three videos. No, it's or I'm, fifty cents a piece, <laughs> or sure. fifteen for seven, or seven for ten. You're just making up numbers now. <laughs> You're just saying numbers in a row. It's and no, how much is that a piece? No, it was a dollar a piece, or uh, five for three dollars, or ten for seven dollars. Uh, 
which is a good deal if you get 10. Why? How much is that a piece? <laughs> 70 cents. Why is that so hard? I don't get it. Um, but yeah, you can if you want those videos. I mean, there used to be a PayPal link on my website where you could easily, but the, still the same thing happens. I have to find the videos and send them to you electronically. It's not like you automatically download them. Um, all right. So That's the last one, huh? It is, but there was another clip I had. Um, Are we going to end on this? Oh, yeah. Okay. You want to? I mean, is there anything else to say? Uh, well, we have to talk about next week's show. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So next week's show, David had uh, a great idea. Very meta. Uh, just like we did on the first of the year and on Christmas, um, David wanted to review the, the last episode of a particular show. Uh, and so I picked uh, the the last episode of How I Met Your Mother. Okay. I want, I want to talk about the last episode, How I Met Your Mother, and how people were mad about it, and and uh, and how it relates to TV and all that stuff. I look forward I to rewatching watching that. Yeah. Uh, and I want to pick what, uh, if anyone has listened to me for an extended period of time on either podcast or previously on, you probably know my, I think the greatest series finale of all time is Angel. Season 4, episode right. 22, Not Fade Away. Um, so we're going to talk about the Angel finale. Um, it is the best ever and uh, maybe never be topped. So part of the reason we're doing this is because it's so extremely meta that I have to do it. David, It's David's idea. I give him full credit <laughs> for coming up with such a crazy idea. But also, it'll be the last episode and instead of getting... Uh, getting sad and being dumb and Which is kind of what we're doing today Right A lot of this stuff has been kind of emotional It has been But the good thing is We know we'll see each other one more time Yes So that is buffering the, the emotion So we can pretend that it's not the last show We're just doing another show But it is right. the last show And and uh, although I don't know if David's going to say Hey watch this at the end of the last show Because there won't be much to watch Although you will continue it, right? Yes, not, as I've said, not right away. I will take a break yeah. to catch up on some stuff. Um, especially we're getting into a very busy time of year for me as a movie critic and right. stuff. So. And TV. Uh, it's, you know, fall TV premieres this week. That's right. Yeah. So it's, there's a lot of shit to watch. Uh, and, you, and you plan on having, like, every guest you can get, right? Not just people in L.A., but anyone Yeah, yeah, I've everywhere. got it all, all set up because we don't do Battleship Retention over Skype, so I had to, I had to literally, you know, yeah. nine years into podcasting, I, actually, I had to teach myself how to, re, how to sc- record a Skype Well, it's like podcast. you said, when we, were, uh, when we started this show, you know, like, when, back when we started our old shows, you had to do everything yourself. I had to teach myself how to make an XML file. Which I don't think I've ever taught myself how to do anything. Yeah. And it was frustrating and bullshit, but I felt like this is an accomplishment and I know what I'm doing now. Now, any fucking idiot, I, when I tell, when I see people go, hey, I need help starting a podcast, I say, what are you, a retard? Go to Libsyn.com and literally they fucking fill in the, the blanks. instructions. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, so, that's why every asshole has a podcast because anyone can do it these days. They, you don't have to fucking futz with your iTunes Horse shit, which is always the hardest part. Yeah, that they make that have, super easy yeah, for I, you. I had to Tyler and I had to buy software that would write an RSS feed right. for us. Now and it's we, so easy. And, we, and uh, apart from that, we had also had to use an FTP client to right. uh, upload. I uh, just stopped it, using an FTP client last year <laughs> because now websites come with that. Yeah, now Libsyn does both of those things, the RSS yeah. and the upload. So just, so much like that, it's uh, much better. When you record shit via Skype, the only way you can really tell that it's via Skype is that the people can't see each other talking. Like, there's a pause when someone stops, whatever. Which is why I don't like to do that, but 
it's much easier. So, so my point is, I'm sure there will be times in the future of Hey Watch This when David asks me to be on the show yes, via Skype. So, and I'll be happy to yes. do it, uh, unless, of course, the you know you've turned it into some fucking liberal horseshit where every episode you go, "Sorry, we're not talking about boobs" because it's your show. In which case, I'll have to come out against it. I'll just speak out against your show. I'll to de- denounce it. Okay. All right. Um, all right, we got one more clip that someone requested, not via a phone call, but via an email. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I know what this is. you know what it is, right? Because yeah. <laughs> the clip is called Guitar. Yeah, this is fairly recent. <laughs> yes, it's recent, but I, man, I had to really search for this because it's a, because uh, uh, I thought it was about Nashville, but it's no. not. It's about a trivia question. Yeah, and I, I, I told you which one it was. I yeah. knew exactly which episode. I fi- yeah, once you told me, I was okay. able to find it, but it took a fucking a while. But it's a funny clip, so I'll play this, and then we'll play the ending theme song, and then we'll be back next week with uh, the last show, and then um, well, then what, David? Uh, and then watch this. Uh, to say that this band is a guitar, guitar rock, guitar band? Yes, this band is a guitar-based band. This is... What band isn't a guitar-based band? ELO? Because they have a violin in yeah, it? Yeah, is a guitar-based band. I'm saying fucking NSYNC is not a guitar-based band. They're not a band. They're a boy group. Or a boy band. Okay. Then I said churches. Churches is not a guitar-based band. I don't know band. what that is. All right. You're, you're out of touch, bro. I guess I am. I'm just an old man. Um, Grimes. I guess what about the Beach Boys? Band. They have a lot of guitars. Yeah, that's guitar music. <laughs> that's everything. Everything is guitar music. Then. Okay. Every- not the Pet Shop Boys. Why not? They don't have guitars? But it's not guitar-based. Maybe this is just in my head. I think it this is. is. 100% in my head. All rock music is guitar-based. As soon as somebody plugged in the electric guitar, it all became guitar-based. Where were you? All but folk music is guitar-based, too. music now that is so synth-based. Yes. It, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Vangelis. <laughs> okay, or Skrillex, the modern day Vangelis. Um, that is music that is appreciated, that it gets lumped in. It's a popular music. Yeah. But it's not guitar based. You're right. And okay. it's also not rock or roll. It's not rock and or roll. Okay. I, I, I feel like we've gone oh, too man. far afield here. All right. I, I have a I'm very sorry. clear idea in my head of. What music has guitars in it? What music doesn't? I know, but that idea you have in your head, you somehow convinced yourself that it's the same scale everybody else uses. Which, but I, I don't think it's true. I asked you if this was a guitar band, and you said no. Like, they're not a pop band, and they're not a hip hop group. They play guitar. Okay, so those fact, are the three very... types of band: pop, hip hop, and guitar. <laughs> those are the three types of music you can listen to. Jesus. Okay, you're right. serious right. station must be crazy. <laughs> what do you want to listen to, everybody? I got pop, guitar, and what was the other one? Pop. And hip-hop. Those are the only three musics we can listen to. And by the way, the the pop is uh in sync, the hip hop, Beastie Boys, and the Wait, rock why, why Beastie Boys? and the rock is Aerosmith. <laughs> Okay, I don't like Aerosmith. I don't know why. Why, why would you say Beastie Boys? Because they're all mainstream white groups, if you ask me. Beastie Boys is the most edgy one of the three. Okay, but I listen. 
I listen to plenty of music that's not by white people. Why would you think that my taste in hip hop is like I like Eminem? Well, if you can only, and I like if you Beast only, Boys and I like half the Run the Jewels songs. If you only listen to three types of music and you're almost forty, I'm gonna make fun of you for. Am I almost forty. Yeah. How old are you? Thirty thirty. Yeah, it's almost forty. <laughs> Hey, Watch This was filmed on location in front of a live studio audience.